You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Three, two, one. Panic time. Well, not exactly. With 56 games left in the season, I'm really not one to panic at this stage of things, but I will say the Mets are in a much more precarious position than they should be at this point in time, and I'm sure a lot of Mets fans uh, feel like they're about ready to jump at this point in the season with a game-and-a-half lead on Philadelphia and and two-and-a-half on the Atlanta Braves, who are closing fast with the way the Mets are playing. Mets obviously should be in a much better position in a division that, frankly, nobody seems to want. You know, the Phillies, with their win last night, just went a game over 500. The Braves have yet to get there. There's 53 and 54 on the season. Every time they get close to 500, they fail. So they haven't even seen that this year. But nonetheless, they're sitting right there, two and a half back, and the Phillies even closer, and the Mets will head to Philadelphia for a three-game series this weekend. First of all, though, they have to worry about the Miami Marlins, who they always seem to have trouble with. But listen, the Mets obviously have to turn some things around here, and we'll talk about some of them as we delve through this latest edition of the Mets podcast. It's not fun right now. There's no question about it. And simplistically put, the Mets were in the position that they were in because of their starting pitching. You know, this team has really not hit and not responded offensively all year long. They remain a mystery offensively as to the lack of runs they have scored. Their plus-minus differential, run differential, is at minus 11. The only plus team, actually, there are two plus teams in the NL East. The Braves at plus 54, but a lot of that has been done in blowout games. And a lot of that, uh, as Brian Snitker told me a little while ago, has been done against the second or third baseman who's come in to pitch ninth innings of blowout games. And the other team that has a plus run differential in the NL East is Miami. They're at plus two. Everybody else is minus. Mets at minus 11. Philadelphia is at minus 17. Washington at minus 30. And that'll get a lot worse as Washington has totally completed their teardown. But the starting pitching, listen, rescued the Mets. Now, what's the difference now? Well, number one, the best starter in baseball has not been on the mound for quite some time. And it doesn't look like he'll be on the mound for a good chunk of time as well. We'll get to DeGrom in just a little bit. But Marcus Stroman got off to a tremendous start this year, and he has slowed down, obviously. Taiwan Walker had an all-star-worthy first half, and in the four starts since then, or the last four starts that he's had anyway, his earned run average is at 12. It actually came down last night when he allowed four runs. Going into the game, it was over 15 for the previous three starts, and it went down to 12 last night, even though he gave up two solo home runs, first of all to Alex Jackson, his first major league home run, 
and the other one to Isan Diaz, who's a fine player, but he's not a slugger, not a power hitter, just his third home run of the year. And he also gave up a two-run single to Brian De La Cruz, and those were the first two RBIs of De La Cruz's career. He came over in the trade for Yimmy Garcia from the Houston Astros and had been at the AAA level. So he's just seeing his first taste of Major League ball, and Taiwan Walker helped him along last night by yielding that single and a couple of more runs. You know, they have now lost five of their last six, the Mets have, and five of seven to the Miami Marlins. A little while ago, you could say, hey, it's great. They have a lot of games left against the Marlins and the Nationals, and they do. They still have 12 left with Miami, and they have 11 left with the Nationals. As we mentioned, the, it's been a teardown in Washington. Everybody has gone pretty much, and uh, it'll probably get a lot worse for the Nationals as you move along, and that may be good news for the Mets because they do play them 11 more times. The Marlins I've always been wary of, regardless of how many games you have against them. Yes, you should beat them. No, the Mets never seem to do. Yes, I've always felt that the Marlins have no fear when they play the Mets. They see them an awful lot during spring training. So do the Nationals, for that matter. But the Nationals have been a much better stocked club. And Miami always has good pitching. You know, the Mets missed Sandy Alcantara in this series. He was bumped up to Sunday and then went out and pitched seven shutout innings of, I think it was two-hit ball against the Yankees. Yankees came back and won that game 3-1, but they didn't have to face Alcantara. Pablo Lopez is hurt. Eliezer Hernandez is also hurt. He's not in the rotation right now. So they're going up against guys like Nick Neidert, who they saw last night, but Neidert was just fine. The Marlins, they play the Mets tough, good pitching, They seem to stay in every game, and you have a mistake, as the Mets sometimes can be prone to make, and all of a sudden you've got an L. And they have five Ls in the seven games that they played against Miami. So that is, there's no given there with 12 left against the Marlins, but obviously the Mets have to turn things around here, try to take the last two games of the series and even things up. It has not been pretty for the Mets of late. They lost four of five. They lost three of uh, five to Atlanta and probably could have been four or five if not for a great Michael Conforto throw that threw out, uh, that nailed a runner at home plate and saved a one-run win for the Mets uh, in that fourth game of the series. Atlanta came back and won the fifth game, but it could have been four out of five for Atlanta and that much closer for the Braves. They then dropped two or three to Cincinnati and have now lost uh, the first two in Miami and thus five out of six. They are eight and 11 since the All-Star break. So obviously that has to turn around. Taiwan Walker, yeah, he's got to turn things around. Last four starts, as mentioned, ERA is at 12. The biggest problem to me anyway is the long ball, and Walker, who only gave up six home runs in his first 17 starts, he now has 20 starts in the year, uh, in the last three starts, he's given up seven home runs. Two more last night. He gave uh, up three the one before and then two the prior one to that. So seven home runs in the last three starts, only six in the first 17. That's a heck of a bad turnaround right there. And you look at the Mets starters overall. In the last 47 games that they have played, the Mets starters have four, count them, four wins in 47 games. That's really hard to reconcile. Uh, The last 45 innings that the starters have gone. They have given up 35 runs. That's the last 10 games for the starters. 45 innings, 35 runs, and the starters are 0-7, as you would expect, giving up that many runs in that time. Uh, That's tough to take. You look at the Mets rotation right now. It's Marcus Stroman. 
it's Taiwan Walker. Tyler McGill has done a terrific job, even though he didn't have his best outing on Monday against the Marlins. He did keep the team in the game after giving up the grand slam in the first inning. And, you know, he's a cool customer, and you can't expect the world from this kid. He's given you some great starts thus far, and and basically he's kept the Mets in in every start that uh, he has gone out there. You know, the the grand slam was tough to take, obviously, uh, but, you know, McGill did finish out five in that game. Uh, so he's really not to blame here and has really stepped into the rotation, done a great job. The other two are Carlos Carrasco, who you would expect a lot from normally, but you know he's working his innings up at this point in time. How far can he go in his next start, which comes tonight? We'll see. Rich Hill has given you two starts. The Mets have won both, five to four, identical scores, but Hill has pitched 10 innings. He's given up 10 hits, and his ERA is over 6, 6.30 right now. So he hasn't pitched great. Now, Hill can do better than that, and he's trying to settle in as well. But those are your five starters right now. You have Trevor Williams, who came over in the Javier Baez deal. He's a triple-A. He's a guy I've always liked. He's not a great pitcher, but he's a guy who can go out there and give you innings and keep you in games, and he's you know, shown some propensity for do that, certainly in 2018, but that's a little while ago. It's two seasons ago, full season and then the pandemic shortened season. But, you know, Williams is a guy I think that can help this team. Uh, and also he can be a, a sixth man if you need to go to a six-man rotation. But the Mets have got to get Jacob DeGrom back at some point. If he doesn't come back, this is going to be hard to do. And I think everybody realizes that. Uh, it was not the most encouraging conversation the other day when DeGrom said, when he was asked anyway, whether there's a possibility that he might not pitch again this season, he said, I would say no, not right now. It depends on the next image that I get of the inflammation in his elbow. And that's now moved from the forearm to the elbow. It's not the most encouraging thing. I Listen, I think Jacob DeGrom will pitch again this year. I think the Mets will see him in September. That's the kind of person he is. He knows what he means to this team. He knows what's at stake. And I think he will make every effort to get back. And unless it's, you know, crippling to him and he can't do it and he's going to do further damage, then I believe he's going to pitch again this year. If it comes to a case where, you know, you just can't do it, well, you know, listen, I think you have to be smart and realize what this guy means to the team moving forward. Um, you know, it's, it's he's had four issues now this year. He's had the forearm issue. Uh, that's now moved to the elbow. He earlier had a lat issue. He had a shoulder issue as well. So uh, I don't know if they're all connected. I don't know if one has fed off the other, but it's, it's something that's, you know, it's obviously troublesome. And you hope that this guy can come back and be the Jacob deGrom that he was, you know, prior to sitting down. He was having, you know, an all-time season. And I'm sure it's very frustrating for him. He showed that frustration yesterday and in talking to the media. Um, you know, listen, he was, he was on track to a Bob Gibson type of season. And, you know, that he can't help this club right now at a time of great need is obviously very frustrating to him. Now, what can you expect? Well, I think not this weekend, but the next weekend, which puts you right about the time when they will start their 13-game stretch against the Dodgers and the Giants, and then the Giants again. They have 
three at home against the Dodgers. They go out west for three with the Giants, four with the Dodgers, then come back home for three more with the Giants. It's a brutal 13-game stretch against two of the best teams, if not the best teams, uh, in baseball. But DeGrom thinks if everything goes well, if the latest image that comes back, I think, which you know may be taken you know, sometime toward the end of next week, uh, if that comes back okay, he can start a training program at that time. Then you're looking at a couple of rehab starts, I think, probably at least two towards the end of August, and that means an early September return. But, you know, here's the thing you have to worry about. If there's any bump in the road, if you've got to pull back because he doesn't feel quite right, you know, that's going to set you back and that's going to push things up, and you just don't have the time right now. If everything works perfectly, and you can do that training program, then make the rehab starts and come back sometime early September. That's great. Then you've got, you know, three weeks or thereabouts, maybe three weeks plus, where DeGrom can certainly help you down the stretch. If not, if there's, like I said, any bump in the road, then you're going to have to derail that, push him back even further. And then it almost becomes, it makes no sense. Now, if you can make the postseason, perhaps he can join in then. But uh, again, things have to go smoothly. So that's the thing you know, that you worry about at this point in time. Um, The other area of concern, obviously, is the offense. And this is an offense that's disappointed me this year. I've always felt that if guys did what they were supposed to do in this lineup, the Mets didn't need a lot of help. You know, to me, that if this offense was doing what you thought it would do, if everybody, you know, hit the back of their bubblegum cards, as they say, uh, there was probably no need for Javier Baez at the, uh, at the deadline. But Lindor is hurt. There's obviously a need for it, and they get a pitcher as well. Uh, but I've always felt that they needed more pitching simply because of the injuries that they have suffered and things not working out right for them. Uh, I thought pitching was the priority. But they do get Javier Baez in here, and yes, he can help. He's a terrific player. There's no question. But this offense has, has got to pick up. Uh, and one guy in the middle of that offense who's taken a lot of heat is Michael Conforto. Uh, you know, and it's reasonable to do that because you expect a lot out of Conforto. He's one of the leaders of this team, uh, and he's just had a miserable season. I mean, it's been off. This is August 4th, and Conforto is hitting 197. 197. Six home runs, 24 RBIs on the season. Now, we've seen Conforto be up and down. He's been a kind of a hill and valley sort of player in the past. When he gets hot and he goes on a streak, he is red hot. The numbers are usually there at the end. And listen, he had a a tremendous season last year. It was a great season for him. Uh, he had an OPS of 927. I know it's a pandemic-shortened season, but you know he hit 322. The OPS was 927. And everyone was talking about, well, you know, they're going to have to wrap this guy up with a, you know, $200 million contract or so. Well, right now, it looks more and more like a qualifying offer for Conforto after the kind of season that he's had. Now, there are indications, and, you know, I I guess you take indications with a grain of salt, but you look at some of the peripherals for uh, the peripherals for Conforto, uh, his BABIP, which is batting average balls in play. It's about 50 points lower than his career numbers and his expected weighted on base percentages and expected slugging percentages uh, are both very high. So to me, that would indicate a turnaround, you know, is pretty close for Conforto. uh, But is that going to happen? You know, is he going to fire at any point this year? You know, those those numbers certainly 
dictate that, yes, things will turn around and the numbers will be kinder to Conforto over the final, you know, seven, eight weeks of the season. Uh, I'm not so sure it's going to happen, but those are what the peripherals will tell you right now. And Conforto needs that, and so do the Mets, frankly. Let's let's be honest. They they need Conforto's bat in the middle of the lineup. It makes such a difference. You know, when you look at what the Mets have gone through and where they are right now, it's not that big a surprise when you consider that there are three leaders on this team. Number one is Jacob deGrom, and deGrom has been sidelined for most of the year. He simply hasn't been out there to even try to give his team a chance, and you hope that he's going to be back in September to kind of lead them down the stretch, but he's one leader. The other one is Michael Conforto. Like I said, three leaders, DeGrom, Conforto, Lindor. DeGrom has been pretty much absent for most of the year outside of the great start that he got off to. Conforto, offensively, has been lost this season, and Lindor was starting to pick it up, had a tough start, but the numbers were certainly increasing for him. He was you know, showing more confidence, I think, at the plate and beginning to produce a little bit more. And then he goes down with a hamstring, and he's probably not back till the end of August. So when you have three leaders on a team, and basically none of them are contributing at this point in time, it's not that unexpected that you're having the problems that you're having right now. So can the Mets you know, get out of this? Yeah. Yes, they can. But they've got to start doing it soon, and probably the remainder of this week with the two games they have against Miami in Miami, and then the three with Philly in Philly. You don't want Philly to start feeling good about themselves, and they are, because they got Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy from Texas at the deadline. Gibson went out and pitched a gem his first time out. The Mets will see Gibson. I believe they're going to see him on Friday. I think it's Ranger Suarez going Saturday. Then they have Zach Wheeler, old friend Zach Wheeler. And you know the kind of season that Wheeler is having. So you don't want Philly to start feeling good about themselves uh, and get a sweep in Philadelphia or even take two out of three and feel a little bit better. So it's a big series, a huge series for the Mets coming up this weekend. Final thing I wanted to touch on today was the Kumar Rocker situation. And you know, from what I know, They talked about Rocker and possibly Tommy John surgery. From what I know, anyway, the medicals uh, showed a shoulder which is in disarray. Uh, This is a guy that, and listen, Rocker was a great college pitcher, and I I think will be a good pro as well. But the medicals that the Mets had on Rocker showed a guy, and a lot of scouts said this as well, this is a guy with mechanically – and the kind of stress that he puts on his body when he throws, you know, he was an operation or accident waiting to happen. Uh, and the Mets never made an offer. I mean, they've been a, never made an offer to the guy. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, you think you have one of the better pitchers in baseball with the number 10 pick. He falls to number 10, but, you know, perhaps there was a reason he fell down to number 10 as well. They'll get the number 11 pick next year. It's unfortunate this year. And also... They didn't do a good job of, of kind of doubling down in the second part of the draft. A lot of times you can do that. If something doesn't work out with your number one pick or a high pick, um, you can double down and, and do some things a little bit differently. Uh, what the Mets did is sign a lot of college players or draft a lot of college players, and they signed them rather cheaply. They basically wasted $1.3 million in bonus pool money, and you really can't get that back. So 
The rocker situation, you have to turn the page. But what I got upset about was was Steve Cohen, owner of the Mets. And listen, I, his social media presence, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, but at the same time, when you go through difficulties, like they are, like they are right now, the team, I mean, uh, it can come back and bite you. And his tweet the other day about education time, baseball draft picks, are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs. I never shy away from investments Investments that can make me that type of return. Well, first of all, it was a little premature. That was the same day that Rocker didn't sign, and the Mets lose Rocker and lose their number one draft pick this year and have to wait till next year. But the other part of it that bothered me was referring to players or human beings as investments. Okay, it's these are not stocks. All right. I know you made your living in stocks. Uh, That's the reason you could buy this team, because you've accumulated wealth and you're very good at that. But human beings are not stocks and not investments. They're human beings. Okay, let's get that straight. And the other thing is that I think the Major League Baseball Players Association will be more than happy to save that quote and probably capitalize it and use it in the upcoming collective bargaining agreement talks, which will take place in the offseason, which probably won't be all that smooth and all that pretty. But talk about having a groundswell or a great case to kind of remake the draft and do a lot of things differently. I think Steve Cohen gave you quite the little quote right there in his tweet the other day. But something that bothered me when that came out, uh, and, and especially on a day when you ended up not getting your number one pick and, and having to wait till next year to do that. All right, we'll see if the Mets can uh, turn this around. Like I said, it's not panic time, not with 56 games left, but uh, things are getting that much closer in the National League East, a lot closer than it should be in a division that, as I said, nobody seems to want. But the Mets have been on top for a long time. We'll see if they can remain on top down the stretch. We'll be back with another Mets podcast in the future. See you soon, folks. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 